Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Park Power is a small local business, and like many of you, it has been closely monitoring the news on COVID-19 and the world's rapidly changing circumstances. While many of their team are currently working remotely, the way Park Power does business has not changed, and their commitment to exceptional customer service will remain. Find out more about Park Power's response to the COVID-19 outbreak at parkpower.ca. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Doing doing okay. You doing okay? Doing all right. Yeah, we're getting a little stir crazy here. We're coping. Uh, sequestered as we are in the luxurious read-along studio. <laughs> Casa Bourgeois. Which is our, our basement. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a long couple weeks. Don't know about you, dear listener. <laughs> oh, <laughs> March, readers. March has been years long yeah yeah i have a great deal more sympathy for people under house arrest now (laughs) and uh esteem and admiration for scott lang ant-man from the movie ant-man 2 ant-man and the wasp oh yes because he was under house arrest and uh what did he do under house arrest he found ways to keep himself distracted and enrich himself he taught himself close-up magic on using youtube videos as i recall Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in a while. Worked on his drumming. Yep. He had a, had a grand old time. Found found many creative ways to play with his daughter. It's true. Well, not breaking his curfew and uh, being promptly <laughs> arrested by the feds. Indeed. So basically what I'm saying is be like Ant-Man and, uh, <laughs> and everything will be just fine. We Anita was about the book Anita was not expecting that introduction. I really wasn't. Um, just trying to keep it light. Trying to keep it light. Um, so uh, to briefly recap, chapter four of our novel, Dom and Beth take a trip back down memory lane, by which I mean they go mm. back to Whittier Lane where Beth had been the day before. <laughs> yes, back in memory one whole day. Yeah. And there they uh, they see the house, but nobody's home. And so they ultimately decide that uh, maybe, maybe. They should uh, go and check in with some of the neighbors and find out a little bit more about this mystery of these children who have not aged, but also seem to have aged in Florida. And uh, they go and check out number 14. And after they ring the bell, Beth sees that perhaps the door is cracking open just a little bit. And that segues us directly into chapter five of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. Why was there a chapter break there? Suspense? Like, no. (laughs) Okay, do you remember my rant last episode? Very much so, yes. This isn't really a cliffhanger. They rang the bell and someone answered the door. This is not crazy suspenseful. The chapter break need not be there at all. It picks up, like, the next line. Why? Why is there even a chapter break here? Because there was. Unnecessary. It keeps you reading. I would have done that anyway. 
Except, of course, that we are specifically stopping to digest the chapter. Yes, but I'm not going to put the book down at this point. And yet we literally did. No, no. For a week. I meant forever. Okay, well, yes. That's that's fair. Yeah. Anyway. So number 14, it turns out, is a bit of a jackpot, actually, for Beth and Dom in one sense. Because yeah, it, but happens, only one sense. it happens to be the house of the snoopiest lady on the block. She is the ultimate nosy neighbor. Yeah. I wrote that down. Her name is Marilyn Oxley. Yep. Which is a wonderfully British name. Yep. So very British. Uh, and she actually does remember Beth from the day before, uh, including several details, like the fact that she showed up at first with her son and then left and then came back without her son mm-hmm. and, and stayed for again. longer and then and left she's again. back again. Yeah. She does later reveal that... Uh, it caught her notice because so few people drive onto Whittier Lane. It is a private lane and just park there and not get out of their car and go to visit someone that it attracted her attention. And that's why it stood out to her and, mm-hmm. and she was snooping. But I also got the impression that she's actually just an incredibly nosy neighbor. That's probably in everyone's that's business. That's how she came across. Uh, also, like through her eyes. Beth seems super suspicious. Oh, yeah. And, Beth, and rightfully so. And Beth does nothing in this chapter to allay that suspicion. Not even a little bit. Uh, in fact, if anything, just acts more suspicious as we go. Not only is she suspicious, she is now suspicious and a little bit, like, I'll say a little bit crazy. Uh, it, yeah. There are certainly... I'm just saying... The, there are certainly people in this chapter who would, might think that. Her conversation with Marilyn, from Marilyn's point of view, I would think that maybe... Beth is not coloring with a full box of crayons. <laughs> Just saying. Beth does want to ply Marilyn Oxley for information, uh, specifically to find out if she knows anything about the people who live next door, whether or not they are the Braids. Yes. And Oxley does confirm that the uh, Braids don't live there. No one named Braid lives in the house next door in Noonham House. And likely they moved away before she moved in. She's only been there about three years. Dom at this point thanks her and is like satisfied and yep, goes thanks, to leave. Bye. But Beth is determined to get more information. Oh, she cannot let this go. And will and does not let this no. go until literally a door is slammed in her face. Beth does press to find out who lives there now, uh, which very nearly turns into an awkward fight with Dom, which clearly leaves Oxley with a very bad impression of both of them. Well, yeah. Uh, and possibly just to prevent a fight from breaking out right in front of her right there, Marilyn does offer up, okay, the people who live next door are Kevin and Jeanette Cater. Yes. And they have two small children. Yes. Uh, and they have a silver Range Rover. That's Jeanette's vehicle. Which and matches the one that Beth saw the day before. And she confirms that Jeanette Cater's description roughly matches Flora's description. Yes. Beth just continues to interrogate her, though. She just keeps pressing for information. Every time Marilyn is like, this is as far as we're going, good day, Beth pushes a little further. Every time Dom is like, we've already outstayed our welcome, Beth pushes a little further. Right? And I realize that she is coming at it from a different point of view, right? She has this weird mystery she wants to solve. Mm -hmm. She does not grasp how she is coming across. Oh, no. She, She goes beyond the point of merely suspicious, if you're looking at it through Oxley's point of view. And it's only because we're in Beth's head that we have, like, even the slightest bit of sympathy for her in this moment. The slightest bit. Oxley does have enough, though, finally, and ultimately warns Beth that if she sees her on Whittier Lane again, she will call the police. And then she just closes the door on them. And that's the end of that. And they go home. And I am not surprised by that. 
at all. Yeah. When Beth and Dom get home, Beth immediately starts snooping online after the caters. And they discover that Kevin Cater used to work for SEMA. The very same company that Lewis and Flora did before Lewis struck it rich yeah, and left so, for Florida. So there's a connection there. Dom is pretty sure it's a coincidence. Could be. Xana, who's back from her friend's house and still eavesdropping and snooping, <laughs> sides with Beth on this, though. Something weird is going on, she says, because... Too much of a coincidence? There's too many coincidences. And eventually you have to stop saying it's coincidences and say something is up. Uh, she also lets slip that she's spoken to both Ben and her boyfriend, Murad, about this, <laughs> um, which Beth is a little off-put by. Well, to be fair, she didn't say anything about it being a secret. It's true. So She did not. And Xana thinks it's a cool, weird mystery. So, of course, she's blabbing to everybody who she would normally blab to. Well, yeah. Probably more of her friends than just Ben and Murad know about it. Yeah, makes sense to me. Beth's mind at this juncture does once again wander off. Yeah, she goes off on this weird... Okay, so... First, Zan points out that maybe the braids have simply changed their names. Yes. Right? Or, or living under these alternate identities. Possible. Yeah. That was my first thought as well. And then Beth's mind takes a sharp left turn into uh, this, this, onto this crazy tangent about the tidiness of her children's rooms and their, what their schooling is like compared to what hers was when it was growing up and how her kids are going to grow up now and way off topic and i don't know why well we know why it's because beth continues to be hung up over the fact that her two little kids aren't little kids anymore they're growing up well no yes hung up on that but to the point where she can let go of this thing that she's been obsessed with for two days briefly for a moment because mid, mid conversation about it here's the thing there's something deeper going on with beth at the moment Oh, yeah, absolutely she's, there is. She's in deep denial about something. And I'm willing to bet that it's partly to do with the fact that she's very uncomfortable with the fact that things are changing, that her kids are growing up, that her life isn't the way it used to be, and that maybe some people have moved on from her in a way oh. that she's uncomfortable with. And it's turned into this obsession about the braids, but it it is kind of rooted in her own insecurities. And that's why she keeps coming back to, my babies are growing up. Things aren't like they were when I was a kid. How dare my best friend have moved on and left me behind? When I'm clearly still completely hung up on the fact that we're not friends anymore. It's, it's all coming from the same place. And that place is, I'm uncomfortable with things changing. I was happy when my kids were small and we were friends with the braids. Oh God, are we going to find out that this whole book is a metaphor? Well, we don't know. This is this is me reading into five chapters and being in Beth's head. That's what I'm saying. Like, are we going to get to the end and be like, it was a metaphor? The, the sled was a metaphor. Um, but that's that's why she keeps going off on these tangents is because at the end of the day, this is what she's actually hung up on. It's just all being projected on the fact that she thinks she saw Flora and two perfect little children. Haven't they grown? Mm. Well, the problem is we're only five chapters in, and we are now not sure what she saw. No, we're not. Because it could be a coincidence. It could be a series of coincidences. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll touch on that a little later, because I don't want to get completely off topic right now. I know. But... Well, I have, I have some notes for the end after we've gone through some stuff. So as you mentioned, Xana, when pressed, says that uh, she and Ben and Murad all seem to be of like mind on the matter. That, that the uh, braids changed their names. Or at the very least, that Flora changed her name. Yeah. Dom is a little more skeptical. He 
points out that there's a bit of a hole in this because if they changed their names, surely their neighbors would have noticed that. Yeah, if you if you change your name but don't move. To be fair, they only spoke to the one neighbor. It's true. And the neighbor who's only been there for three years, yeah. which Beth points out, like, maybe the other neighbors did notice that, but we just spoke to the one who hadn't. True. Um, the whole concept of witness protection crossed my mind, but witness protection would not only change your name, they would move you. Yeah. You wouldn't be living in the same house. Yeah. And they wouldn't let you post things on Instagram. No. So that clearly isn't it either. Indeed. He also points out this would suggest that Thomas and Emily are the same kids, but they can't be because they're teenagers in Florida. They can't be the same kids. So that doesn't work. Yeah. Dom's theory at this juncture is that based on the new evidence, Beth saw something. That she thought was something else. That she thought was something else. That Jeanette Cater is similar enough in build and appearance that she thought she saw Flora. And that she happens to have two kids named Thomas and Emily, and that just made the illusion complete for Beth. And that's why she was so certain it was it was them when it clearly couldn't have been. Beth does not buy this. No. No. And she actually brings it back to Oxley and her reaction. Because she points out that Oxley went from suspicion to hostility specifically not after she was pressing but when she brought up the names of the yeah, kids. Yeah, when she mentioned their names. And that that's the point where, like, she had she had written off the conversation and she was on her way back into the house. But when Beth specifically said, are their names Thomas and Emily, she turned hostile on them. And Xana tracks with this. She's following her mom's train of thought. Yeah. And even yeah, if Dom is not, even if we're not necessarily, basically Xana and Beth are saying, this proves that the kids are named Thomas and Emily. They have to be named Thomas and Emily. The fact that... Oxley turned hostile when she mentioned the names can must confirm that those are the kids names because otherwise she wouldn't have gotten a reaction. And the reason why they must have gotten the reaction from her confirming that those were the names was because it makes it look like Beth was lying to her the whole time because Beth was presenting as we knew the people who used to live here were asking after them. Could you tell us a little bit about the people who are living here now? We don't know anything about them. Oh, by the way, I know the specific names of their two children. And that, to Oxley, the suspicious nosy lady who's already got a very low opinion of them, mm -hmm. of the pores who well, are in her neighborhood. Yeah. Well, not not that they're pores, but that these people are stalking around her neighborhood. Yeah. It, it's she suddenly, know to oh, you them. actually know some intimate information about the caters who you just claimed to know nothing about. So clearly you are up to something. And now I'm going to call the police. Yes. And stop stalking my neighbors. Yeah. Get away from me. And that would that would naturally set her off. So that's, in a weird way, kind of confirmation that that must be what the kids are named. Mm -hmm. And Xana agrees. And this kind of flips her back onto Beth's side at this point. Because she's been flip-flopping between her parents through the chapter a well, little bit. She's been mostly on Beth's side. But there's been a few points where she's like, no, Well, it depends that on who's make got sense. the better argument about what they're talking about. Yeah. Xana, however, at this juncture is also frustrated because it's like nothing about this is still making sense. And I want to know what's going on. And obviously my interest in it is more important than either of your interests. <laughs> so you need to go back to Whittier Lane and you need to like talk to these people in person. And Dom is just like flat no, foot down. Yeah. We are not going back. No. There was a threat of police. We're not going yeah. back. How about we don't get arrested? Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm kind of on Dom's side with that. Beth is not interested. No, she's not because she is obsessed. But I think Dom has the level head here. Yes. Like, look, if we go back again, it's going to look terrible. We're going to get in trouble. She's to call the police. You she, know she's going to. Yeah, absolutely. Let's not get arrested over this. Yeah. 
Let it go. But Beth will not let it go. Of course not. So she says the next logical course of action is to call Lewis in Florida and confirm what's going on with him. And Dom reluctantly agrees and says, fine, all right, tomorrow, if I have a couple spare minutes, I will call Lewis in Florida. And Beth is like, that is not good enough, sir. We're phoning him right now. I'm going to call him this very instant. And I'm going to do it myself. And that is where Chapter 5 rolls to a conclusion. Yeah. (laughs) This at least is somewhat more of a cliffhanger. Yes. Like, ooh, what's the phone call going to be like? Indeed. Not, oh, we've rung the bell now, someone's answering the door. I'm sorry, it really bothers me. So this is where I'm going to bring up some some thoughts, some random thoughts. Me too. We were we we kind of touched on it earlier on. Um, Zana and Beth are both hung up on the fact that there's just too many coincidences going on. Jeanette looks a lot like Flora. She has two kids named Thomas and Emily, and Flora and Lewis had two kids named Thomas and Emily, and they're currently the exact same age. There's no sign of where Georgina might be or where Flora might be outside of maybe having changed her name to Jeanette Cater. Kevin Cater, her husband, worked at the same place that Lewis and Flora did and now lives in the same house that they did. And there's just too many coincidences for it to be sheer chance. Yet, the human mind is a marvelous thing. Um, And it loves to see connections and patterns. That's one of the reasons why we are very good at thinking. (laughs) Yes. Is because we are able to spot patterns and we're able to make deductive leaps because of that. Um, But the problem is that the human mind is too good at that. Sometimes it sees connections that genuinely aren't there. And sometimes a coincidence is just a coincidence. Yeah, and sometimes there can be several of them. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, well, that's weird and that's weird and that's weird. Clearly lizard people but no it turns out that it was just three weird things yeah now having said that we are reading a novel i know and the laws of conservation of narrative indicate that you don't just throw random coincidences into a novel they usually are leading to something but that leads me to my next point which is we're in beth's head she's the one following the train of clues Is she a reliable narrator? I don't know yet. I don't know yet either. Five chapters in, I don't entirely trust her. Because she's been dishonest and cagey with us, the reader. And we're in her brain. Yeah. No, I know. (laughs) Which means she's being dishonest and cagey with herself. Yes. And that makes me wonder if she's not entirely reliable. It's possible. So I actually do doubt whether or not she is right. Mm-hmm. Could be. I I wonder if this isn't going to turn into uh, a, a similar situation on a much smaller scale to what happened to another character in another book I read. Follow me on this. Okay. Um, in my other book club, we read a book called Bellevue Square. And it's about uh, this woman living her life. And then, I'll try not to be spoilery, partway through, you start to question what what parts are real and what parts are uh, her madness taking over. She She's suffering from like a doppelganger syndrome and you never know what's real and what's not. And if she's thinking she's imagining something or if she's pretending to be, or if she is her doppelganger or what's going on. And it's, it's a, it's a confusing journey through madness. And I wonder if, Something like that isn't what's happening to Beth, just on a, like a way smaller scale. 
or with a sort of different circumstance. Yeah. That she's she's losing her grip on reality. Yeah, that something's something's not quite connecting. All the synapses aren't quite firing up in Beth's brain. Well, we do right? know that and she's overworked and stressed and underslept. Exactly. Or is is that meant as a diversion to make us question how reliable she is? It could be. It and, could, and again, see, I don't know. I, uh, five chapters in, I don't know if it's nothing. Um, or if we're like, reading we're, into it. We're not even a quarter of the way through this we, book yet. So. We got, and, and I, I'm also curious if it's being colored by the fact that I got a bad first impression of her. Which might be on purpose. Which might be on purpose. We don't know Sophie Hannah's motivation behind writing Beth. Layers, and, darling. So many layers. And we are reading a thriller. And we don't know that we're necessarily reading the thriller through the eyes of the person who is the hero. Mm-hmm. I kind of brought this up in a previous episode. We could be in the eyes of the antagonist. We could be. We don't know. We don't know. So we will have to wait and see. Uh-huh. So um, speaking of, this is uh, this is wonderful coincidence. You've brought up that the human brain recognizes patterns. Yes. And you and I know from our various uh, theatrical trainings mm-hmm. that once you establish a pattern, you break a pattern. Yes. That keeps the story interesting. Beth has an MO so far in this book. She goes out and experiences something unusual. Mm -hmm. She brings it home to be analyzed by her family. She obsesses over it and does research. Lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah, that's kind of been the cycle so far. Yeah. So it's happened twice now. Something unusual has happened. She saw Flora and these, Flora, quote unquote, and these children. She brought it home, discussed it with her family, did some crazy research. Decided that wasn't good enough. Went back. Had this unusual experience with the woman next door. Decided that wasn't good enough. Decided that wasn't good enough. Br- brought it back to her family. And now Sorry. she's and now she's Brought it back call to Lewis. her family. They analyzed it. She decided that wasn't good enough mm-hmm. after a little bit of internet research. Mm-hmm. And now they have to phone Lewis. And I'm going to say with a degree of certainty that the conversation with Lewis will not be good enough. Nope. Lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah. But this is also... The second time, things things happen in threes, right? So this is where we break the pattern. That's fair. It's also worth noting that Dom is coming across as the level-headed one and the skeptical one in all this. Because a lot of what Beth has seen is theoretically impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there must be a good explanation for it and a reasonable and rational explanation for it. And Dom keeps trying to bring it back to that. And it's Beth's teenage daughter who keeps egging her on and suggesting more and more like she's the one who initially said it's ghosts and demons like (laughs) that's that's what's going on here and while beth certainly is in her right enough mind that she was willing to say no to that xana is the one who's key who continues egging her on and beth keeps clinging to that like dom keeps trying to bring her back to the ground and xana's like Filling up the hot air balloon. Yeah, right. She's fueling that fire with, ooh, this is fascinating. And, Let's and do some more research. And Beth Beth wants to go in the balloon. She doesn't want to stay on the ground. Yes, and exactly. that's and that's kind of a problem. Xana is an enabler, is basically where I'm going with this. <laughs> ah, she's a teenager. So yeah. And this is interesting. And it's, and it's a, a weird and interesting thing that's going on. Right. Because... And and Xana has no stakes in this whatsoever. No. So there's one more thing about Beth that's that I, I kinda wanna bring up. Okay. Like you said before, she's not being entirely honest with herself and nope. therefore not being entirely honest with us nope. as readers. And I can't help but think that there's 
there's something that she's keeping specifically from Dom that would really help clear things up. Oh, probably. If she would just spill the beans about the photo and the falling out, which are clearly both related. Right. Um, probably it would clear things up quite a bit. And Dom might even be more helpful at that juncture. Right. But I did bring up last chapter that Dom weirdly evaded the subject when she brought it up. Because she, mm-hmm. was, she was ready to just straight up tell him last chapter. And he kept trying to like, nope, don't want to talk about it. We'll, we're going to go and deal with this. So I'm wondering if Dom knows more than he's letting on. Maybe. And I can't help but wonder, uh, it, this is a thing that happens in movies sometimes, where the plot would be utterly destroyed if the characters would just sit down and talk to each other. Yeah. Well, Beth has a reason for not wanting to talk to Dom. I'm sure she does. Because she's not being entirely honest with herself about the situation. And I think that she doesn't want to talk to Dom about it because she's afraid that Dom will tell her that she's the one in the wrong maybe because she seems to be convinced that she and flora had this very mutual breakup and the more we've heard about it the more it's starting to maybe seem like that wasn't the case entirely not mutual breakup and i wonder if she's never been honest with dom about it because she's afraid that dom will be like oh you totally like you were the bad guy you're horrible don't you're the are you the baddie? Um, <laughs> I think I think you're the bad guy here. And I don't think that Beth wants to hear it. Now, that's entirely speculation. That's wild, irresponsible oh, no. speculation. That's me absolutely guessing because she won't tell us what it is. Yeah. So I don't know what it is. But optics, that's kind of what it looks like. Well, like it, if they would just sit down and talk like mature, rational adults. But again, Beth tried to sit down and talk to Dom last chapter before they got out of the car. And he shut it down. And what motivation would he have for doing that? Impatience to go and just talk to the people doesn't seem good enough to me. And that's why I'm speculating. Maybe he knows more than he's letting on. And maybe he's specifically trying to evade the topic because you suggested this last chapter, in fact, because he knows it will upset Beth. Mm-hmm. And he's he's he, deliberately... He dance around the touchy subjects, And right? maybe he's deliberately trying to keep things grounded here and not push on in the investigation because he knows that the answers that Beth's going to get are going to upset her. Mm-hmm. Like, or, you know, this can only end badly. Yeah. So No matter how it ends, it's going to end badly. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. We'll keep reading. We will. We will indeed. We will continue to read into Chapter 6 in time for next week. Uh, and, uh, in the meantime, while we do that, I have an ad to read. You do. We have, uh, we have products and services that are available, uh, (laughs) through many local businesses, uh, many of which support the Alberta podcast network and thus us. Yeah. And, uh, we would like to share with you at this time, some of those products and or services. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Once normal working conditions resume, you're invited to join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations, all dedicated to getting things done. Unit B Coworking is located in the historic McKinney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown. For more information, visit unitb.ca. Yeah, Unit B Coworking, um, one of the many fine sponsors of the Alberta Podcast Network. You can check out more information about some of our other sponsors and, of course, check out all of the various sibling podcasts of ours on the <laughs> so, Alberta Podcast oh, Network. Oh, so many. Uh, right, 
Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculously large family now of yeah. podcasts. Uh, in particular, uh, one plug that I actually do have and have not mentioned in a long time, I have another podcast. Yes, it's, you do. It's been going for a while. Yes, it has. Um, and I've been a part of it for a while. It's called I Have Some Notes, also a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I've been on it. Yeah. Uh, it's myself and Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick, and we take mediocre films and we punch them up. And discuss them and break down what worked, what didn't work, stuff like that. Yeah. They so, come up with fun ideas to fix films and make them better. And Yeah. If you like hearing me talk about books and want to also hear me talk about other media, <laughs> like movies, uh, you might check that out. Even if you don't check out I Have Some Notes, there's going to be some podcast on the Alberta Podcast Network worth your time. Exactly. Go to albertapodcastnetwork.com or download them right now on the CKUA app where they are all generously hosted. Yeah. And when you find one you like, it's probably available on the podcatcher of your choice. Yeah. While you're there, maybe give us a little rating and a review. That definitely helps us out uh, with our visibility. We appreciate feedback. Yeah. And and we appreciate your support. Yeah. Especially right now. <laughs> this is a time when you're probably looking for a little bit of escape and the fact that you're spending a little bit of time with us week after week, we greatly appreciate it. We do. Yeah. If uh, you want to reach out at all, ever, on any topic whatsoever, you can do so on the social media. Indeed. Uh, pick your poison. We've got Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads. Yeah. Any we're, of those? We have an email address. We're at the read along on the social media, and we are thereadalong at gmail.com, all one word. I always forget that part of it. Uh, on the email, if you want to send us a link to your message. Yeah. And with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. For more children mysteryness. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Mm-hmm.